Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Father, we thank you so much for that beautiful picture that we can boldly approach your throne this morning. Thank you that we don't come with any fear of condemnation because of Jesus. We can boldly approach your throne. And today we're running into your arms, those wonderful, beautiful arms of love that accept us, that say we're worthy. And you are worthy. You are worthy. Majesty, worship your majesty unto Jesus. Be glory, honour and praise. We lift our voices, our hearts in worship and praise to you this morning. As we come to your word now, your living word, you're a God who delights to speak to people, to your people. May we have ears to hear, hearts to respond, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. Do sit down. Last week here at uh, CBC, we began a new series in Galatians. We're looking at grace, the essential gift for imperfect disciples. Today, we're looking at freedom. I want to begin by reading the passage that we're going to be looking at from Galatians uh, chapter 5, beginning at verse 1, just a few verses. I'll read those to you now. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, then. Don't let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, then. Do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. This is Harriet Tubman. She was an abolitionist. Um, from Maryland in the 19th century, and she helped many African-Americans escape slavery. This lady, Harriet, was born a slave. She was a slave from the age of five. Shocking, isn't it? The age of 12, she was physically injured because she refused to join in the punishment of one of the slaves, as she was told to do. In in 1849, Harriet escaped slavery. She ran away from Maryland and she fled to Philadelphia to safety. What's so amazing about Harriet is that she used that freedom to return back to Maryland. Apparently over 13 times she made the trip back and she helped many others find freedom. She She became known as the Moses of her people. This was a story that I discovered this week. It said that any one of the slaves that she helped to freedom, as they they were travelling away, it was an arduous, difficult, scary experience, very frightening. Some of them decided they couldn't cope. They wanted to go back to slavery. That seemed like the easier option. Tubman would put a gun to their head and say, You'll be free 
or die. You'll be free or die. Oh, she's a tough lady. Don't think I'd want to mess with her, do you? (laughs) Harriet Tubman didn't want her mission endangered. It would be endangered, of course, wouldn't it, if somebody decided to make their way back. But she also understood there was a cost to freedom, but an incredible joy that was worth the cost of the freedom. Just read to you some words about freedom and slavery from the Bible, haven't I? Strong terms being used there. And this man, Paul, who wrote this letter to the Galatians, he'd discovered freedom. He'd helped others to discover freedom. And those people that had discovered that freedom were now going, choosing to go back into slavery again. If you'll excuse the analogy, I can't help thinking that Paul is a bit like Tubman. And he's putting a gun to their heads and saying, you'll be free or die. For Paul, it was that serious. This freedom is a serious issue. So I think it's really important for us this morning that we understand more about this freedom. This freedom that Paul takes so seriously, that Paul so seriously wants to protect. To understand that there's a danger that we can lose that freedom and to find out how we can stay free. So what is this freedom that Paul's talking about, this freedom that he's so passionate to protect? Well, for the readers, the people that he wrote to in the time here, it was a freedom from legalism. Legalism that was being demanded by certain false teachers that were coming in and saying things like this. Saying that there was a system that demanded obedience to the law. A system that put on um, individual effort, weight on individual effort, and behaviour, that that was the way of provoking God to approve of you, of God's, uh, provoking God's approval rather than his wrath. And this was all coming out of the law that had been given by God, but instead of being used as a guide, it was being used as a measuring stick. When you think about it, that's human nature, isn't it? We're much more at home as people, aren't we, as humans, uh, have, uh, making the effort to fix ourselves. That feels a lot more comfortable, doesn't it? rather than accepting that we can't do it. We're going to be talking about circumcision, but I'm going to avoid that, because Chris did that for me last week. And if you want to hear the jokes, listen, um, get onto YouTube and hear Chris on circumcision last week. So I'm going to not talk about that again. For our benefit, yeah, I know, what a chicken. Um, for our benefit, I'm going to talk about rule-based religion, because that's what circumcision was representing. It was doing something to achieve God's, um, to become right with God, to achieve God's approval. But Paul, like Harriet Tubman, he knew what it was like to be a slave. However, he wasn't slave to a human master like she was. He was a slave to effort. He was a slave to the burden of striving to be good, of striving to get God's approval, of trying to be right before God. He was a slave to that lie that somehow his own efforts would make himself right with God. That somehow, if he tried hard enough, he'd become perfect. But you know, the Bible has a word for that. And the Bible says it's sin. And Jesus said that anyone who sins is a slave to sin. There's that word again. And if we're really honest this morning, we know deep down that we're actually rubbish at bettering ourselves, aren't we? We are. Let's be honest. (laughs) It might work for a while, I don't know, think about a New Year's resolution. 
that's quite um, appropriate at the moment, isn't it? How are you doing? <laughs> the truth is, we might do well for a month or two, might we, with our New Year's resolution. And then, oops, we trip up. So we try again, and before you know it, we've tripped up again. Until we get to that feeling of feeling really demoralised, probably a bit guilty, perhaps a bit shameful, and we decide, well, we'll scrap that, we'll try again next year. Let's agree, we're not very good at bettering ourselves. We have our standards that we can't even match up to, so how do we stand a chance of standing up to the, the uh, standards of a holy God? And Paul, I think, really helpfully describes this feeling that we all have as a burden. It's a heavy yoke that we carry. It's a yoke of slavery. Burden trapped, captive by this unachievable, unending demand to be better, this unending demand to improve. But then I wonder if some of you perhaps are sitting there thinking, well, actually, I'm doing okay, thanks, Kay. Uh, I I think uh, I'm living a good life, I'm kind to my family, I'm working hard, I'm not hurting anybody. The trouble is, that's a heavy burden too, isn't it? Because actually, I think in many ways, it's the same trap. It's the belief that I'm self-sufficient, I can do it on my own. Well, let's go back to that verse again. It was for freedom that Christ has set you free. The good news is that Jesus has come to rescue us from slavery and bring us into freedom. Jesus made a claim, if the Son, if I set you free, you will be free indeed. And that's the whole truth of the gospel. Freedom is the work and the goal of the gospel. So I guess you could say that Christ is the great abolitionist. He's the one that has rescued us from slavery and sin and its demands. Jesus, in his life, in his death, in his resurrection, he's broken the chains of sin that hold us, that relentless, heavy burden that we carry of guilt and shame, beating ourselves up constantly for never being quite good enough. And he sets us free from that empty religion that says, you've got to try harder. What great news. If you've never heard this before, if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, this is amazing news for you this morning, that you can be set free from this rule-based religion. Just come to Jesus. It's that simple. Put your faith in him. Receive his grace that we've been singing about. Receive freedom from those chains of sin. But you do want even more of a challenge to me. Is This is also great news for us this morning if we are following Jesus. Because so often we don't live in this freedom. And we should. And I love the way Paul, earlier in the book of Galatians, in, in the letter of Galatians, describes his experience of find, finding freedom. He says this. What actually took place is this. I tried keeping the rules and working my head off to please God, but it didn't work. So I quit being a lawman so that I could be a God's man. Christ's life showed, life showed me how and enabled me to do it. I identified myself completely with him. Indeed, I have been crucified with Christ. My ego is no longer central. Wow. It's no longer important that I appear righteous before you or have your good opinion, and I'm no longer driven to impress God. What a free place to be. Christ lives in me. The life you see me living is not mine, but is lived by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And I love this last line, and I'm not going back on that. That's the choice. I'm going to stay on that road to freedom. That's from the message version of the Bible. Sometimes absolutely brilliant, isn't it? 
the way Eugene Peterson does it. Incredible freedom. Incredible freedom. Nothing he can do, but look what he's gained by trusting in Jesus. No longer trying. He's completely given up on himself. Trusting completely and utterly in the free gift. The free gift of righteousness, of being made holy in God's sight, of being forgiven, being loved, being accepted by God. And I'm sorry. No, I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry. I keep going on about it, but I'm going to say it one more time. It's free. Freedom is free. You don't earn it. It's a gift. Nothing, nothing, nothing I can do. Nothing you can do. And that's what the Bible calls grace. Grace for imperfect disciples. Grace reaches out to us when we're not worthy, when we're not able, when we're not deserving, and loves us anyway, rescues us anyway. Have you ever heard anything so amazing? Maybe for the first time this morning. Maybe you've done this many times before. But I want to encourage you to embrace that freedom this morning. Embrace that freedom this morning. Breathe it in. Fill your mind, fill your heart, fill your soul with that freedom that is yours in Christ. But then Paul goes on to say that this freedom is in danger. It's in danger. And we must stand firm and protect this freedom that we've been given. We read about this in verses 2 to 4. Just to pick out in verse 2, Paul says, I let... I tell you that if you let yourself be circumcised, if you go back to rule-based religion, Christ will be of no value to you at all. That's quite shocking, isn't it? You who are trying to be justified by the law, going back to rule-based religion, you've been alienated from Christ. You've fallen away from grace. Paul's taking this really... This is the gun to the head stuff, isn't it? This is serious. Paul's not talking to those who aren't following Jesus. He's talking to people who are following Jesus. But by wanting to be circumcised, by wanting to go back to that rule-based religion, these Christians were essentially saying that Jesus' work on the cross wasn't sufficient, wasn't enough to save them, that they somehow needed to do more to this free gift that was being offered. Paul, in fact, says to them that if they think they need to become Jews and be circumcised, if they need to obey all those rules and regulations, then they're saying that Jesus' work on the cross that he did for you to give you that freedom is of no value. The thing is, that if we start trusting in our own efforts, we stop trusting Jesus, don't we? If we start trusting in ourselves, we stop trusting him. And this is serious. Paul finds this serious because this is the centre of the gospel. This is the heart of what we believe. And there's only one gospel. There's only one gospel that can save us. And it's all or nothing. All Jesus and nothing else. And that's why Paul's saying to those who believe that we must stand firm in the freedom that we've received. Because if you don't stand firm, you'll end up submitting to all those rules again and being worried about what God thinks of you and what God wants from you. Just have to touch on verse 4, where Paul says, you've fallen away from grace. Just want to say that I don't think we can take that verse on its own and use it to prove or disprove whether we believe in um, people being able to lose their salvation or not. But I'm not going to explore that now. Um, I've written a question for your home groups, so have fun um, talking about that. 
But I do think that Paul is wanting to emphasize here the seriousness and the danger of adding anything to the gospel that we know. If we do that, it's no longer the gospel. It's a false gospel. And that's what Paul was standing so firmly against. If we start to add to the gospel, we will lose the freedom that we have in Christ. And also, if we start to become subject to the law and its demands again, we're back under condemnation and we're losing the grace that is for us. I find this all quite, well, oh dear. <laughs> I was like, oh dear. Is it time to search my heart? Is it time to search your heart and think about some of these questions? Am I living in that freedom today? Am I living in that freedom today? Or do I seek God's, action, um, God's approval by my actions still? There are things that I'm doing that mean I'm still looking for God to approve. If I read my Bible every day, if I pray a bit more, if I'm kinder to others... That will please God and just guarantee that he loves me because I need to do something. Am I adding to the gospel by my thought processes? Do I serve God to gain favor? Even subconsciously, I was really challenged by this about our motivation. That somehow God will love me more if I agree to serve on a rota or become a church member or be baptized or whatever it might be. It's my motivation because I think God might love me a bit more if I do that. Is Jesus enough for you this morning, or are you trying to add to his work? We don't need to. We don't need to. Another one. I find this challenging too, because do I live to please others? Do I live to impress others? Seek their approval? What I'm doing is getting trapped back again. Trapped back in that chains of, well, I'm not good enough. I have to try harder. No, God says, you're free. You're free. I love you. You're free. So let's remind ourselves again. The freedom that is ours is because of the cross of Jesus. On the cross, Jesus took our sin. He took that heavy burden. We were talking about that yoke of slavery. And he put it on himself. And in return, we receive his righteousness. That very thing we're striving for, to be better, to be all that God wants us to be, is given to us. Free. Free gift of grace. And that's why Paul wants us to stand firm. He doesn't want us to be burdened again. He doesn't want to go back to being slaves again. He wants to receive this gift. It's all or nothing. So don't try to add to it. And lastly, just as uh, we finish, I want to very briefly look at verse 5. For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. So our righteousness before God comes not by working for it, but by waiting for it. Waiting in faith. Freedom for the Christian is freedom to hope. Not a maybe, but a certainty. Freedom to live no longer by my own efforts, but by faith and in the power of the Holy Spirit promised to me in Jesus. It's freedom to be who we were created to be. Freedom to live as we were created to live. Not free to do what we like. Free to know and love God, free to live for him. And it's all summed up in this radical status change that has happened. For the slaves, they became free people that Harriet rescued. 
Jesus has rescued us from slaves and he's invited us into his family. So we've gone from being slaves to being sons and daughters of God. So what defines us now? No longer slaves, child of God. That's how you're defined this morning if you're a follower of Jesus. Jesus, no longer outside the family, now loved, accepted, part of God's family. For freedom, we've been set free. And all this through faith in the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit. Um, Just want to quote very quickly, uh, Paul puts it so beautifully in his letter to the Galatians. But when the time arrived that was set by God the Father, God sent his son, born among us of a woman, born under the conditions of the law, so that he might redeem those who have been kidnapped by the law. Kidnapped, you see, is slavery. Thus we have been set free to experience our rightful heritage. You can tell for sure that you are now fully adopted as his own children because God sent the spirit of his son into our lives crying out, Papa, Father, or Abba, Father. Listen to this. Doesn't that privilege of an intimate conversation with God make it plain that you're not a slave, but you're a child? Privilege that we can come into God's presence, not as a slave, but as a child. And if you're a child, also an heir with complete access to all God has for us. And that's the freedom that leads us to want to live for God. Not out of fear, not to seek approval as a slave, but out of love and faith and by his spirit. Because we're family. We want to be like our father. Paul sent, uh, spent his letter up until now pleading with the um, Galatians to embrace, protect and live in the freedom that is theirs in Christ. And now, um, from chapter 5 on, we're going to start to find out that Paul is now partially wanting to help his readers work out what that looks like. So we've looked at what freedom is. And Paul, um, in the coming weeks, we're going to start to unpack what that looks like. What does it look like for us to live in that freedom that Jesus has given to us? So today's just the start. We're going to discover what it looks like to be free people, free to practice faith, Free to love others rather than constantly thinking about what we look like. Free to hope that the freedom that we have been given will be fully realised when Jesus returns. So this morning I want to close by saying we have an invitation into that freedom. I want to close by saying will you embrace the freedom that is on offer to you, perhaps for the first time, perhaps for many of us, to embrace that freedom again. I wonder what's holding you back from truly realising that you are free. Jesus is making the same offer to you and to me as Harriet made to those slaves in Maryland. Jesus has come to take us from slavery and bring us into his family. What an offer. That That status for you can change from slave to son or daughter. I hope today that we might discover again that freedom is precious. Let's protect it. It's costly. Jesus bought it for us, but it's freely given to us today. I wonder if the musicians can come up and Paul can play for us. It's always amazing how God brings these services together. And uh, Julie chose this song as we close but the words just sum up all that I've been trying to say to you this morning hallelujah praise the one who set me free hallelujah 
Death has lost its grip on me. You, Jesus, have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name. Jesus Christ is our living hope. Who could imagine so great a mercy? What heart could fathom such boundless grace? The God of ages stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame. The God of ages stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame so I don't have to anymore. The cross has spoken. I'm forgiven. The King of kings calls me his own. Beautiful Saviour, I'm yours forever. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Let's stand and sing together.